All right, Rit, wait, episode two, theme song. Bum, bum. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Welcome, fellow nerds, to episode two of the Ritwit, the podcast where the pen is mightier than the sword, but the sword is mightier than the pencil, whatever that means. I'm Matthew Donald. And I'm Matt David. And let's get started. Have you been? Well, I have been uh, enjoying readjusting to life. There have been some interesting things changing in my job, and so I haven't had as much time to think about my stories as I would like. But we'll talk a little bit more about that in a sec, because I'm sure that you'd like to update us on your writing projects. Right, yeah, yes, of course. So my story, Megazoic, um, quick elevator pitch for it, because apparently a complaint we've had uh, for our last podcast is that we mentioned stories that we know, but our listeners might not. So Megazoic is my story about dinosaurs with sci-fi technology. There's more to it than that, but basically it's the two of them blended together in one awesome milkshake of goodness? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, anyway, it's just dinosaurs and sci-fi, basically. It's a dinosaur sci-fi, but anyways. Um, I'm at the climax of the first book right now, and so I'm really getting close to finishing it. So I'm pretty excited about that. I think once I'm done, I'm going to try and figure out how to self-publish it on Amazon. I've already got a bunch of people at my other work because I have a job and I got to support myself somehow. This podcast doesn't do it quite enough for me. <laughs> Not yet, anyway. Oh, yeah. Always nice to have some feedback, too. Absolutely. I know that all too well, and you have made fun of me for, for needing feedback quite often. If you're writing, the idea is that you're doing it because you enjoy it, right? Right. Which brings me to our next segment. Uh, what have we ripped off lately? Yes, because remember, all writing is a ripoff of something else, so that's what we mean. <laughs> okay. Well, I haven't really read a lot of books lately, but in terms of movies, I did watch Batman v Superman the other day. It was, I, as someone who is a fan of Man of Steel, as I mentioned in the last podcast, I, I was really looking forward to it. Like, And I've heard some reviews that were like, oh, if you, it, I didn't particularly care for it, but if you like Man of Steel, you'll like this movie. So I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll go into it expecting that. It wasn't very good. I was pretty disappointed. Like, there were some good parts of it, but I just thought it was a mess. And there was too much that didn't work. And I was really disappointed. But what can you do? Movies are just movies at the end of the day. Absolutely. And just to be uh, our usual reminder, listeners, that if you listen to this, listen judiciously if you don't like spoilers. Did I spoil anything there No, you didn't. I'm just okay. putting that warning in case. Because spoiler alert... Superman is actually Superboy. Plot twist. <gasps> no, not really. <laughs> I, I had a feeling. Thank, just in time for April Fools. Thank you. Uh, yes, today is April Fools. Well, for me, anyways. <laughs> for you, over to <laughs> Thankfully, long past. <laughs> it's been a while. But anyways, uh, I haven't really been ripping off too much lately as far as writing because of reasons I talked about earlier, but I have had a chance to read a lot lately. I recently revisited the United States, where, of course, my family is, and I got mm-hmm. to see some of my friends, including... You're not Japanese. I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of people are wondering that you're Japanese. You're not Japanese. Surely, you're very... I, surely I am Japanese. Yes, I oh my am. Goodness. Anyway. You know, you can get away with that by not sounding racist because you're <laughs> surrounded by <laughs> Japanese people. Uh, anyways. But continue. anyways, uh, I brought back some books because it had been one of the things that I noticed that I was 
was lacking. I just didn't have something to do in that moments of free time. And so I brought back some books. And the books that I'm currently reading are very popular in the United States, but they were originally from England, and that is The Chronicles of Narnia. I managed to get through the first five books in less than a week, and I worked on the sixth a little bit last night, but I have not finished that yet. So I've been doing a lot of reading that again. It took you a week to get through five books. It took you like four days to get through seven Harry Potter books last year. <laughs> Remember that I didn't have as much chance to read right. the Narnia books as I did Harry Potter in that setting. I guess that's true. But so, anyways, uh, yes, it is kind of funny. But like that—that's the thing that I've been reading a lot lately, and of course. For those of you who didn't know, Clive Staples Lewis, C.S. Lewis, those are the only right. children's books. I didn't realize that was what C.S. stood at it, for. I feel like a terrible English major. <laughs> what kind of middle name is Staples? <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's a terrible name to give a child, but moving on. Uh, <laughs> it's interesting because like, you can tell his normal style is for adults because there are lots of things in there that or worded in ways that would seem very friendly to adults, or at least, you know, formally British-educated children, which is a little bit uh, more formal than most American education settings that I'm aware of, and some right. several in Japan that I've seen. So that's the thing that's been really uh, on my mind lately. So I may end up talking about it some more, because today we're talking about a very important topic between any character of your books. You want right. to elaborate on that, MacDonald? Well, yes, exactly, I do, because... So, Batman v Superman, they what the V signals their relationship. The whole movie, well, not really, but there's, like I said, it's a mess, but the gist of the movie is about Batman and Superman's relationship. So, this week, we're going to talk about relationships, not because of Batman v Superman, but... I would just, hope not. <laughs> but... Um, I haven't seen it. Uh, yep. But, you know, you probably will at some point. And you'll probably like it. Like, that's fine by me. Yeah. Anyone can have whatever Anyways. opinion they want. But anyways. So, um, Unless it's uh, yours, and then it's wrong. You're definitely <laughs> true about that. I never have the right opinion. But anyways. So, writing about more relationships. Right, yeah. Relationships between characters can be very important. Now, your story doesn't need it. There are definitely a lot of stories where a guy's all by his lonesome. Those, those are very, very difficult to write. We're not getting into that right now. We're not nearly that good for writers. But um, uh, relationships between characters can help a, a reader tell who they should be rooting for, who they should like, give them an emotional attachment to the characters, like guide readers along to knowing like every, who, how everyone feels about each other. It's, really, it's a very useful tool for a writer, and we're going to talk about a lot of different kinds of relationships. We're talking like friendly, uh, camaraderie, enemy romantic we'll have to get to that unfortunately we'll we'll do our best <laughs> we will do our best as two single guys who will never get married and have each had that only said, one girlfriend <laughs> that, that said we've had a romantic relationship so we had one none no, no experience <laughs> yeah but anyways, anyways uh the first thing that probably would be very helpful is just to make the blanket statement that generally an author is trying to make you care about the protagonist the main character mm -mm. and the idea is that you can relate to that character but the beauty of literature is that you see multiple characters and so if you don't see yourself in that protagonist then theoretically you'll see part of yourself in the supporting cast so the first 
type of relationships that we're going to start with today is just, you know, the basic friend relationship. Kind of like we put up with each other, you know. There's, yeah. there's a reason we Some do that. Some say you and I are friends. I don't know if they're right. I'm not sure. We haven't figured that out. It's 10, been a long... 12, long... 15 years later. It's been about 17 at this point. 17 at this point? I'm I thinking about just getting rid of you. I think I... I have a It's kind of like swat. a pet. I think it's time to go. I, I have a head swat. I just need to give the order to you. Oh, wait, did I say that out loud? <laughs> <laughs> All right. But, yes. Uh, I mean... There, there are some tricky things to navigate when you come to just writing a basic relationship. Obviously, right. every relationship has their inside jokes, you know, mm-hmm. like people who have shared experiences that no one else knows, mm-hmm. so no one else understands. I mean, that was the source of the complaint for our uh, pilot episode on the podcast because we were talking about things that we both knew very well, but if you didn't know us, you would have no idea. Right. So how can you realistically represent those uh, bonding moments? And not have your reader be like our complainer from our last podcast to be like, I don't know these people. <laughs> I mean, that shouldn't be the case because characters are not usually real people. So, I mean, right. Well, they could be based on real people, but yeah. that's mostly because of individual traits they have. Right, yeah. Well, one thing I like to do for all my characters is have, like, a a separate document that explains all their quirks and, like, all their sort of, like, little things, little details about them that aren't really ever going to be mentioned in the story but, like, help flesh out the character. Like, like in my Megazoic story, one of the characters really is a terrible singer, but he hates that. That's never going to be mentioned in the story, but it helps me flesh out him more for me. But the reason why I bring this up is because if you do the same thing with, like, character quirks that they have with each other, you don't want to risk falling in the same trap. Like, oh, they have this quirk. Oh, I forgot to mention that they have this quirk instead of just doing it. I mean... Well, and the thing that's always challenging for writers is to do a better job of showing us rather than telling us. Right. And I think that... Um, I, I, I have a hard time coming up with examples in my writing at the moment, but I'm sure I have there one. are some, and they're probably in your writing as well. Mine's more about a quirk that two of my characters had. You remember... This is for an older version of Megazoic because and listeners should know that I've had like 4.5 billion other versions. <laughs> this story has been kind of my... I can't think of the right word right now because I'm tired. Everest? There you go. Well, Everest that just... More like Olympus. Or like Olympus Mons. <laughs> so, anyways. Um, one of the older versions of Megazoic, there were these two characters, Best Buds, Sukas and Albert. One of the things they did... I only mentioned it briefly, um, but it was something I thought was kind of funny. was the secret head shake. I'm using quotation marks here. Basically right. what they did, they, they were two dinosaurs. They would slam their heads together. They would grunt in pain. Then after recover, after taking a few seconds to recover, like, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. And it's just, <laughs> it's kind of dumb. And by kind of, I mean incredibly. But... but it's a fun, but it's a fun ritual, you know, something yeah. that they do to, they do to showcase their, affection for lack of a better word for each right, other right but like to to go back to what i was talking about the thing that comes to mind is like an experience mm-hmm. something that shows their relationship rather than just narrating it for the reader right well an example i think i, I think would be in terms of like friendly relationships this i guess this isn't really more friendly it's a little bit friendly i guess it, an episode of 
of that CBS sitcom Big Bang Theory, there was an episode where it explored how Leonard and Sheldon met, and Penny, Leonard's girlfriend at the time, wonders, why does Leonard put up with Sheldon? Like, Sheldon has so many quirks, and he is so annoying as a roommate. Why don't you not just move out, Leonard? Like, why do you not just move out and leave him? Well, apparently it's revealed that when they first became roommates, Leonard was goofing off with his friends with, like, this... And they had this, like, thing that was accidentally kind of a bomb. They, they, they didn't realize it was about to blow up in their face. What happened is that Sheldon took it in the elevator, moved the elevator down, and then it blew up. Now, that's why they don't have an elevator in their apartment. That's one of the running jokes, that they always have to walk up the stairs because the elevator is always out of order. Well, the, what basically what comes to that is that by doing that, Sheldon saved Leonard's life. So Leonard d- puts up with him because he owes him his life, which I think is an interesting sort of thing. Like, they're, they're, they have friendly moments, and, you know, it's a sitcom, so they have to hate each other a lot and the sake of comedy, but... Sure. Well, and, like, it's a, it's a fantastic dive into what makes them, you know, stick together and care right. for each other. And, and, it's a, and it's a really good example of building that relationship. It's something that happened at the start. And, you know, usually with stories you want to start, the Latin term is in medias res, which is in the middle of the action. And right. then if you have to explain anything, go back. Because rather than setting it all up at the beginning and having a relatively tedious narration, mm-hmm. you know, you get something that's more active. And if you need to explain it, then you can. Well, one thing that I think could be interesting, because we're going to talk about developing relationships later, especially with romantic one. But, like, I feel like developing friendships is an interesting thing, like, to write about. Like, how would, how would, you, how would you personally, like, if you had a character who meets another character for whatever circumstance, and then later on they, be, they slowly start to become friends. How, how do you think, what do you got, do you have any tips for how you would write that? For how I would write building that well, just, relationship. Just helping, well, helping others. Helping, helping in that along. Yeah, you don't have to explain their whole story. <laughs> well, sure, no. Um, Quick, come up with two characters on the fly, go. No, no, no. Well, like, the thing that the thing that comes to my mind, and obviously, listeners, you, you're aware that I do a lot of what is called fan fiction, particularly about Power Rangers. And the the idea is that these normal people who probably aren't terribly well-connected are forced together by circumstance. And so they have to help each other, and then, you know, they bond that way. And so, like, the idea that some situation that puts the best of two people together... For example, there's kind of... I I remember reading a story about this a long time ago. It was not a Power Rangers story at all. It was just this situation... Really? You read other things? I I read a lot of other things. I was talking about Narnia, right? Isn't that just a Power Rangers fanfic? Actually, that is a perfect example. Thanks for bringing that up. In Voyage (gasps) of the Dawn Treader, the fifth book of Chronicles of Narnia, the main characters at the time are the Pevensey children, and of course... And they all combine together to form a Zord. No. (laughs) In the Dawn Treader, the two youngest, Edmund and Lucy, return to Narnia, and it just so happens that they are forced to bring their cousin along, this guy, this boy who is perfectly fine, who has a horrible name, Eustace Clarence Scrub. And he's but secretly a putty working for the bad guys. I'm do sorry, you I'm mind? Sorry. <laughs> right, I'm sorry. Go <laughs> and Eustace Clarence Scrub is this very, very um, lonely boy. And he's right. he's a bit of a ass. I mean the donkey to 
these these people who are trying to be nice to him because he just doesn't yeah. understand and he just doesn't really uh, know how to connect with people. Mm-hmm. And through those adventures, he starts out just despising them but the more he spends time with them and the more he sees going on in the world around him that's completely new because it is Mm -hmm. narnia right he grows into a much better person and more friendly and more accepting Mm -hmm. and they all come to actually care about him as opposed to well you're here with us we have to take you along now it actually is something that helps them out in the end uh very interesting story to read if you've not read those books i would highly recommend it but the idea that it takes a lot of time i mean they're at sea for upwards of several months during this time Mm -hmm. and when you're in close proximity with other people you have to learn something about them otherwise it will just be the longest trip of your life and eventually they did yeah they they say that you you form the best relationships through times of hardship absolutely but you also bring up something interesting. Like I kind of, I kind of wanted to talk more about like just two characters and the relationship with each other. But you brought up a good point about how you can have one character and then the, the, the relationship you're talking about being like everyone else's relationship to them. True. Like, that, Which that's of course is individually a bunch of different two people relationships. Right. Right. I mean, if I wanted to focus on the relationship that he had with his cousin Edmund, I could have. But right. the idea, the idea here is that it's not limited to one person. I mean, the biggest thing that you have to remember about these characters whether they're animals aliens humans whatever have you mm-hmm. is that we exist white blood not cells to live by ourselves slash pill robots for some whatever reason i went to osmosis jones in my head there <laughs> we exist to interact with others right even the most lonesome of people wants to have some a company at some time and so it's a matter of forming those relationships with the people you care about. Right. And so the best way to be realistic is to use as much as you can from what you know. Right. You know, the idea of chemistry is usually romantic, but the gist of it is that you, it's two people who clearly feel happier around each other. You can do that with friendly sort of things, especially if they've been friends for like years upon years. I mean, if you want to get into platonic Right. opposite sex relationships too i mean that works the same way right, we'll, we'll yeah. talk a little bit more about that when we get to romance i think but other than i don't know if he's your favorite example do you even have a favorite example from another work of like two people who are friends and like how you look think at gimli and legolas an elf and a dwarf two factions that stereotypically hate each other but they grow to care about each other through the times they fight with each other and they and they learn the best parts about what the other brings I mean, yeah, I keep going to the example of battle because that's trial by fire idea is the best place to find those blossoming connections. But, you know, even in times of peace, there are ways to connect with other people. There's this one line at the end of Return of the King. At one point at the end, um, when they're about to fight at the Black Gate while distracting uh, Sauron and the Eye from Frodo when he's sneaking up, um, they're about to fight the orcs upon, there's like thousands of them. And then Gimli's like, I never thought I'd die. um being side by side with an elf. And then Legolas is like, what about side by side with a friend? And then Gimli looks at him and is like, I, I could do that. That's a nice little thing. Like they're starting to realize that it's not about what, what they are. It's what they mean to each other. It's not literally what species they are. It's no longer a label, or at least right. it's a different one because the label of friend is one of the 
most treasured labels you can give somebody else. But to go to go back to the point about um, bonding through times of hardship, bonding and battle, it reminds me of a different type of relationship. And I think we probably should turn to that one now, and that is the co-worker relationship. Yes. So you know how I mentioned Osmosis Jones? That is, I don't think you've seen it. I actually haven't seen it either. Ozzy and Drix? <laughs> yeah. They, it's a buddy cop movie. Absolutely. Like, that's what it is. It's a body cop movie in the human body. And buddy cop is kind of this kind of relationship. Like, two people who have to work together and have to figure out how to work best together, even though they might not necessarily like each other. There's a lot of examples of buddy cops as well. Like, Iron Man 3, even though I don't like it, it is, it is a pretty good buddy cop movie. I just don't think it's a good Iron Man movie, but that's... That's well, that's thing. a subject for a different time or a different podcast, even. But right, anyway, exactly. <laughs> but like the idea that the idea that you know you need what the other person has to offer to get the job done. Mm-hmm. Battle buddies in active military service in real life, as well as you know coworker relationships. If there's a task right. that you can't get done by yourself, you have to rely on your coworkers to be able to help you complete it. Absolutely, I feel like for me. I think my favorite example of this kind of relationship in another work is, and speaking of Iron Man, uh, Iron Man and Captain America in the in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Like, I mean, it's all about to come to a head in Civil War. I was about to say to before out. before Civil yeah. War comes out, yeah, yeah, yet to come out. <laughs> but before then, there's so many times where it's revealed they don't really care for each other. I mean, they care about each other, but they don't really like each other. If that makes any sense, like they fight all the time. They have such different ideals, but they know that they need each other for certain situations, like, and they work together through it. And it's an interesting kind of thing. They really should just hate each other. Like, Tony Stark has heard nothing but praise from his father about him. So he feels, he's kind of feeling, like, jealous slash not feeling like he's living up to the expectations. And, and on Cap's side, he's such an idealist who, 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 who sees the best in people and, and also tries to help other people while he sees Tony Stark as nothing but a narcissist, which, you know, he is, but... Well, he's a narcissist Tony with the heart of gold. <laughs> Tony does a very good job of creating his own enemies, and that's more people for Cap to have to fight. But, like, yeah. I mean, the thing like about... Obadiah, Ultron... To throw out there the idea behind a super the team... The guy he left behind on the roof. Sorry, go on. <laughs> the idea behind a super team is simply to come together when one is not enough. That is right. the basis of the Justice League, the basis of the Avengers, to use mm-hmm. two of the more famous ones. Right. I mean, our collaboration... This yes. story that all of us have alter egos, us and a couple of friends, not on this podcast yet. Right. If yes. they may we'll, we'll, join we'll us drag, at some point. We'll drag we'll one of them kicking and screaming at some point, I'm sure. For a, sure. for a guest. They'll be on for five seconds. So like, hey, hey, there he is. See ya. The collaboration, the elevator pitch for that, just to give you an idea, is that four very experts, I use quotes, have to take on one of the most challenging enemies they have ever faced and bond in the face of that danger. Along the way, they grow together and work for more power to vanquish this ancient evil. Right. The reason I the reason I think it's perfect to bring that up is because like you know, it's a super team that's created because one is not enough. Absolutely. Which you see far more in battle or in comic books, especially those of the superhero genre than you would in most other works of fiction. But, you know, it can happen more in more domestic ways as well. Like um I don't have a much of a problem with this at my current job, but one of my older jobs was a coffee corner a barista at my college and there were several times where i had a co-worker that i did not care for like they were either really snotty that we didn't have a lot in common so we couldn't talk about anything when there wasn't anyone there much but, the, but we still focused to make sure we got the job done because there was 
what we were trying to do was something bigger than either of us. Now, by, by that I mean just making sure that the store is taken care of, the customer is taken care of. But that's basically what it comes down to. Like, usually when you have people who don't really necessarily care for each other but have to work together, it's because they recognize that what they're fighting for is something bigger than either of them and something that they, they don't have. It's bigger than how they feel about each other. Absolutely. And especially in the face of getting something, some task accomplished. I mean, especially in the restaurant setting or a a coffee Mm -hmm. shop setting, you're hired to get the job done. Mm -hmm. And that means using whatever you can. And if you can't do it by yourself, then using the other people that are there to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I always look at this from the perspective of I want my characters to progress from that workman relationship to a friend relationship, especially in my fanfics. So the idea of these characters progressing from a less a less friendly bond to one that is more friendly, you know, the, to the point where you appreciate right. them and actually care about them, mm-hmm. as opposed to, I don't like you, but I'll put up with you as far as I need you kind of thing. Although that would be a very interesting villain idea. We'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that too, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Or do you just want to use that to segue into it? No, 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 not quite yet, because I have something else to say. Like, I feel like, especially depending on how long two people who work together who might necessarily like each other, um, who go through continuous relate things that could just destroy both of them, eventually they'll form some form of appreciation for each other. It could go the other way, like Civil War. Like, usually when two characters are fighting on the same side but don't like each other, they'll eventually grow to like each other because they've been through so much together. But sometimes it can go the other way, where, like, they just snap. And I feel like that's what Civil War is doing. But I feel like it's very difficult for, to say that two people who, who, are, who are fighting alongside each other but don't like each other, it's not going to stay that way. Like, they're not going to stay on the same side but just sort of not liking each other for kind too of long. Like, kind of like the friends with benefits thing, you know. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I use this as a serious example, though, because, like, the friends okay. with benefits model is that you get the joys of being an adult with that other person yet you don't want to commit to anything. And then Something's inevitably, it always, inevitably one of them will start committing. That's how the, the plot of every Friends right. with Benefits relationship is. Right. Something's got to give. And so Which the makes idea me wonder why of, people even started. But. Well, and it's mostly probably for the benefit of benefits. Friends are like jobs. The best ones have benefits. Oh, Wow. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't believe you just said that. Anyway, <laughs> all right, go on. The point, the point being that with a work with a work relationship, there there are two things to remember. Number one is if you are only working with them in that environment, you appreciate them for what they bring to that environment, but it's harder to appreciate them as a person or a character mm. in this case. So the other thing is where the relationship is built is outside of the workplace and if you if you come to that realization if you come to that experience you can start making that transition from co-worker to friend and i know that in my old job i used to work at a fast food restaurant as a cashier i did that with a lot of my co-workers even though Mm -hmm. i didn't spend too much time with them outside of work just because i had a bunch of other things to do well, that's why I feel like one of the most praised scenes in another Avengers movie, Age of Ultron, was that scene at, near the beginning where they're all having a party and just goofing off. Because that showed them bonding outside of Avenging, you know? Right, and you have to have something like that. Because remember, everybody needs interaction, and you want it to be positive interaction that you'll remember well. I really particularly liked the 
attempts to grab Mjolnir. But anyway, I think I think it's about time that we move on to the less fun variety of relationships, or maybe they're more fun to write because you they're get probably to deal with the antagonist. Two characters who don't like each other. Sometimes this is a simple domestic situation, like a bully and the person he is picking on. Right. Or maybe it's some evil overlord and this hero, to use examples that we talk about. I definitely feel like as a writer, you need to figure out how to keep both the character and the audience feeling tense whenever this character shows up. Like, when there's ever this other person shows up. Like, a good example that I want to use is um, in Harry Potter. Every time Draco Malfoy showed up, like, the point of the readers just go like, ugh, him again, which is exactly what J.K. Rowling intended. And it's exactly how Harry feels as well most of the time. So it's really good, like, how she writes it. Like, you can just feel as soon as he comes in, like, all the hatred from him to to Harry. Like, even it's more about jealousy, but because, you know, he's the boy who lived. He's the guy who's the famous one with the scar and such. And he got spurned by Harry at the beginning, too. Right, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, I want to talk more about another Harry Potter relationship later, but I feel like we should keep going more about enemy, about how to write sort of like that kind of relationship where two people just hate each other. Well, you know, I, I think that it has a lot to do with creating a personality conflict. Mm-hmm. You know that coworker that you don't like, there's something about their person that you don't like typically, right? right? Now, if you take that to an extreme level, that mm-hmm. is an antagonistic relationship right and usually especially with superhero things but you know even in a down-home non-fiction tale right it's about two people who have a major disagreement and there's something about each other that they don't like now how to make that believable well i guess it depends on what your character ideal idolizes no that's not right I'm coming up. I'm coming up with the wrong words. I'm sorry, but you, hopefully you know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I think I've got a general idea. Basic. Oh, thanks. That's, that's so so encouraging. <laughs> but um, it also depends as well. Like there could be two characters, and one of them really hates the other one, but the other one doesn't really know it. And the example I give here is a real life situation. When I was in college, I lived with a house with a bunch of people. I won't say anyone's names because you know I'm a nice guy, and that there's this one person that I really, really really didn't care for but i still tried to be nice to him because i knew i had to live with him and stuff he, there was just a lot of things he did that i disagree with no need to get into terrible specific well i just want people to realize that i didn't hate him for no reason it was just like i'm spinning a roulette wheel i hate this guy like, <laughs> that would be an interesting way to go <laughs> yeah okay there's six other roommates in the house who's he gonna land on oh him hate him <laughs> i just hate him my god i hate him so much that's the one <laughs> <laughs> no, but so. For in terms of writing like that, I would describe, based on my experiences with that person, how tense you feel. Like, hairs raising, but maybe that's more like scaring, but like fist clenching sort of thing. Like, just sort of like just. Your blood starts pumping a little harder. Ways to show rather than say, like, this character hated this character. Well, and one thing that is most helpful when looking for material to use in relationships, building them, breaking them, whatever it may be in your stories is to use what you know. Whether it's your examples or your friend's examples, somehow to use that material and use that for inspiration. Because as we say that there is no original story idea anymore, pretty much every type of relationship you can probably find in your own life somewhere. Absolutely. 
Like, I have all these that we have listed here that we're going to talk about. I've been through quite a bit of them. Some of them more than others, like the romantic one, I've only had one, like we've all, like we've established. Like, as have you, so... Not for lack of trying, perhaps. We have tried so very hard. Some, some may call us desperate. But the idea is that you can use that experience to write about it. Right. Now, you don't want it to be a carbon copy of that relationship. You want it to be different somehow, but realize that your characters are not you, even if they're lightly based on you. Yeah. You gotta, as a writer, you have to learn how to get into someone else's shoes. Like, no, be that other person. Get into like, their head. Mm-hmm. Which is helpful to use your own... Uh, Donald mentioned it earlier, talking about the quirks, you know. Something right. that won't necessarily come up in a story, but can really inform you how to write about the character. And do it for your antagonists, too. Yeah, they're people, and most of the time. Sometimes people write them as, like, cartoons. Well, sometimes people. they're aliens, but, you know, the, the point being, you know they're, the... they're all characters that yeah. deserve to have d- deserve to have all the things that implies. Relationships with other people, mm-hmm. something to accomplish, you know. Right. Those things that we all share, which is why you look to characters and care for them in the first place. Absolutely. So, like, with enemy relationships, like, you have, you have to do a good job, I feel like. I mean, it's more, more difficult in, like, those sort of high fantasy sort of things where, like, it's expected that the hero and the villain should hate each other. But, like, as well as saying, like, what happens to show they dislike each other, a good thing you should do is say, fully show why they dislike each other. Like, what happened? Is there, like, some sort of tragic backstory or something, like, that really irritated the other person? Like, first impressions are always a key thing. So, like, it might have been something that he hasn't done except for the six seconds where the two of them first met. The one day he didn't shower. Right. <laughs> and forgot to put on deodorant and brushed his teeth. A.K.A. me every day. No, just kidding. I, uh, <laughs> well, like, you know, you have to consider that with a hero villain dynamic it's expected but the thing that i like the most and we haven't really talked much about subverting these relationships at all but the the relationship that i find the most fascinating to write is the one where nobody is clearly right and nobody is clearly wrong Mm -hmm. where the line between hero and villain is stretched to their imagination urge to you know bring up to go back to civil war is the idea for me yay to go back to civil war is the idea that you know you can either agree with what Cap has to say or you can agree with what Iron Man has to say. And they are mm-hmm. both valid arguments. They're just different. And everybody is going to take it a certain way. Absolutely. Speaking of subverting sort of like relationships, I, I said earlier I wanted to bring up another Harry Potter example. And um, one of the best relationships, I feel like most people think, and I agree, of the whole series is between Harry and Snape. Like, at the beginning, like throughout almost all the books, all of them up to the final one, basically... Harry is convinced that Snape is just this ridiculously evil guy who hates Harry for no reason. For whatever reason, Dumbledore trusts him, but, like, Snape is clearly just out to get this poor Harry. And he does, like, several really, really, pardon my French, dickish things throughout the whole series. That's and, hardly French. Okay, it's more like it's more like Spanish. I don't know. Uh, okay. What's, what's a lesser... Like, it's definitely not German. German would be... Mm, well, there's a word for that in German, but anyway. But the point is, what, what I wanted to say later, though, is that, like, it's realized, though, later, that the reason why is that... Spoilers for ten seconds. Uh, like, Snape really, really, really loved Harry's mother, Lily. Like, and was heartbroken to see her choose 
Harry's father, James. Spoiler alert, in case you haven't read those books. Dang it, you you're right. What the heck are <laughs> you doing? Dang it, you're right. I forgot about that. I'm sorry. I will I will insert in um, spoilers. There, I'll, I'll put that in. <laughs> right there. I'll do a little bit of my fancy editing spoilers. skills. Yes, yes, that. But anyway, no, the thing, the thing that is interesting about that relationship is it is so dynamic. Right. You want your relationships to grow over time and change and not just be static, which mm-hmm. means that you either have to show the progression or you have to you have to change something up. And the idea, you remember when you were talking about Malfoy about how every time you came in, god, I hate it. It's him again. And the reader felt that way too because we hopefully sympathized with Harry. Right. Well, for the same reason of sympathizing with Harry, we did not like Snape. Mm-hmm. Until his true motivations came out, there was no really good reason to care much for him. But his motivations, his motivations for doing everything are more complex. It, he is a fantastic example of that gray type of character where he is not in the right, he is not in the wrong. You have to judge his actions based on why he made them, not what he did. Absolutely. And why he did them the whole time is something that we don't find out until way too late for us to truly appreciate him through the rest of the books. Now, if you don't walk out of the saga appreciating Snape for what he managed, that tightrope he manages to walk, mm-hmm. then you're missing out on a fantastic character. Absolutely. Well, like, and also Harry does grow to appreciate because... Spoilers until 3840... Uh, one of his kids, he names his mid- his middle name after after Snape's first name, Severus. So named named his child for two great headmasters. Yep. One of them was Severus, and the other was Albus Dumbledore. And it's by the a- way, spoiler alert: dies, dies, dies. I'm so- <laughs> you said that like three times. If they're still dies! listening, no. Anyway, deader than dead. <laughs> <laughs> We ain't seeing him again. To get back to relationships, though, the thing that's most fascinating to me with Snape mm-hmm. is almost... I mean, the relationship he had with Harry is not really the same relationship. It's almost a proxy relationship. Because the true relationship that Severus was trying to maintain was his connection to Lily. Right. Wait, oh, I see what's going on here. You're doing a little segue. Actually, it wasn't the point, but it could work as one. But the idea is that, you know... His relationship to Harry is tinged. Everything is colored by what he felt for her. And so it's more complex than just, I don't like this child. Because, like, Malfoy doesn't like Harry because Harry represents everything that he wants to be. Right. Snape doesn't like Harry because Snape wanted to have his own progeny with her. He wanted to have his own future. And Harry represents the future that she chose which didn't include him. Gee, I wonder why he was bitter. He was a little bit of a dour, a sourpuss, I guess. <laughs> a dourpuss? <laughs> a dourpuss. <laughs> I- I'm going to call the Oxford English Dictionary and force him to put that in there. I'd gunpoint probably with my with my Hitman squad that I have ready to go. <laughs> you have ready to go. <laughs> to go there and then all the way to Japan, right? Anyway, when those... When those motivations come to light, it's amazing what you can see. And, and so I love the idea of a character that is not solely villainous or not solely heroic. I'm not going to say I appreciate anti-heroes, although I love a good anti-hero as much as the next person. But, like, somebody who thinks they're in the right and is fighting for what they believe, but they're not necessarily wrong. Well, well, like, uh, George Lucas said when doing Revenge of the Sith that 
no villain thinks they're doing evil, or should think they're doing evil. They think they're doing good, they just happen to be wrong. And that's what he tried to show with Anakin. Like, like he thought that by... He was convinced that the Jedi were the reason the galaxy was in the dumps. And he wanted to have a safe future with his wife and their new kid. So he figured, well, I, got, I gotta get... Well, oh, yeah, that's right, know, at the time. He didn't, he didn't know, know at the time. He never. He actually didn't know until, the, until Return of the Jedi when he sensed it through. Leia, that's Leia. right. Yeah, he wanted to make the ga- the galaxy a safe place for his new family, and he was convinced the Jedi were the problem. So he g- generally thought he was doing right. He was clearly wrong, because well, you don't it, kill it, kids. Like it, interesting, interesting argument. Like you, you would think as he noticed his wardrobe turning black and his lightsaber turning red, that you would think, oh wow. To, to be fair, his evil. lightsaber doesn't turn red until after he loses his arm. He has the blue lightsaber up until the end of that movie. That's right, because he fights with he fights on Mustafar with it, doesn't he? Yeah, and and yeah, he does wear black. And at one point, his eyes do turn yellow. You think that'd be a clear sign? Maybe they don't have mirrors in the galaxy far, far away. Here's the thing, though: color is not a, a way to associate with evil. Mm-hmm. To go back to your current version of Megazoic, you mm-hmm. know, the idea that you're switch you're switching the trope on its head. This this cliched idea of the Empire is evil. Right. Yeah, because like in my story. Um, the main, the main good faction is the Laurasian Empire, and the main evil faction is the Tyrannian Kingdom. Now, I do switch it for reasons other than the subversion, like Tyrannian, Tyrannosaurus, Rex. Rex means king, not emperor, so therefore kingdom. But I did think it would be kind of cool subversion as well. And also, colors, you want to make sure, I guess it depends on the story as well, but I feel like Having the evil guys be red and black is way <laughs> too overdone. Like, and and here's the thing, you know, you you have to make a decision, and whatever that decision is, mm-hmm. you, the the hope is that you keep it consistent. Because you know, it'd be cool to see somebody who is like green be a main main villain. Sickly sickly green is kind of. I don't know about sickly green, but like I, I, I think a, a healthy, fun green that I like, like a green I like really appreciate green. looking at, and then that being the villain because it's not. Do you happen the to remember overused colors of red and black? And do you happen to remember speaking of old animated movies from the early two thousands? Do you like like Osmosis Jones? Do you happen to remember Titan AE at all? The uh, villain. I don't know if you ever saw it, but like the villains in that were these aliens called. I'm not to say the Drax. I was just thinking of Guardians of the Galaxy slash Drix from Osmosis Jones. The Dredge is what they were. That's what they were called, and they were blue, but they were looked really evil. They looked really advanced. It was it was really cool. I've never really seen blue. They're kind of like the sickly green version of blue. Like, <laughs> but it was really interesting. We're getting a little bit waylaid from our topic of yeah. That's relationships not about relationships. Here. Yeah. So I'm gonna. It, but time. but it's a it's a good point. Uh, I I think that. The last kind of frontier for relationships, and perhaps the most difficult one for us, personally... Not just because of our lack of experience, but... Is the romantic relationship. It's difficult for everyone, like... Because it's it's really a hard thing to understand. Well, relationships take work, and love doesn't make sense. It doesn't. People can... People fall in love with idiots all the time. <laughs> there are these amazingly gorgeous women who fall for these. Either they fall for the complete jerk or this person that, like, how in the world did they fall in love for that loser? <laughs> and yet sometimes it works out. Like, it's not like that when people fall in love with idiots, it always ends in failure. Like, sometimes it just happens to work. And you, so that's why it's difficult. It's hard to define. So you oh, have absolutely. to make it believable. You have to make something that isn't really believable to begin with believable. <laughs> 
Well, and there's an organic way to do that too. It's called time. A lot of things with these relationships, we haven't mentioned this, but especially in the case of romance, you don't have to have it all happen on screen, but you do need to have some. Absolutely. You need to have some bonding experience, some moment where they start appreciating each other, where they start falling for each other, where they start realizing that life without the other is less than it would be with them. Mm -hmm. Especially if they're going to end up together. Absolutely. Now, if you really want to throw a wrench in it, have them build this relationship and then have circumstance force them apart. Right. And I was talking about this to another friend of mine. One thing I was mentioning was that one thing that's difficult about romance is like it's hard to try to win someone over from my experience. Like if someone has an idea that you're not the right one, it's difficult to convince them otherwise. Especially if you have a bad first impression. Absolutely. But I was telling them like one thing you can get away with it in terms of writing is if it's that first impression they realize was wrong. That's the best way to do it. Like, Absolutely. Like, well, and time will change your opinions if you see enough of a person to realize that, that maybe you didn't have the right read on them the first time, that it's worth going over it again and saying, well, okay, what is it that I really do think about this person? Right. Because it's okay for these, these, these things to change. Yeah. Especially like, with, we, we, talked about, we talked about relationships and how they should be dynamic, right? They shouldn't be static. I think the most dynamic one of all is the romantic relationship. I would, I would actually go as far as to say that probably the most dynamic is the platonic relationship between opposite gender. But that's uh, just me. Yeah. The that most... Exactly the most enough, yeah. Well, it's not exactly common enough, but it's the most dynamic because you have to be friends before you can be... You, before you well, can yeah, be I, I guess I can speak this from experience. Like, one of my best friends is a girl, and we're purely platonic, but, like, what it started out with, like, we were friends, she was dating someone else at the time, they broke up, uh, we sort of considered the idea of going out ourselves, but then we realized we were kind of too close together anyways. Like, to, we didn't want to risk our friendship with a relationship because if it didn't work out, it might just go, our friendship might just go down the toilet or it might be awkward or whatever. But it took us, like, about three years before we settled into the, the stable friends we are now. Like, admittedly, I'll, I'll admit this, like, there were times when we first started talking on the phone, and I'd be like in my head, oh, oh I'm talking to a girl, it's so great. But no, it, 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 that died away. I was like, I'm just talking to my friend. So, Something about different labels like a loss? Yeah. I never thought I'd find myself side-by-side -side with a girl. about <laughs> side-by-side with a friend? <laughs> and that's not, your, that's not your girlfriend. It's okay to I mean, like, yeah, I, I, realize, I realize that we're kind of categorizing this roughly, but the idea of romantic relationship, it means what it means to everyone different. So if you feel like writing a homosexual romantic relationship, yeah. if you have something to go on, right. especially if you have something to go on, for what it's worth, if it's you don't just... know, yeah. it, it will be very difficult to write realistically. Well, most... most... As unfortunate as most homosexual relationship writing is called slash fiction, which well, between that's two true. characters. Like I'm sure, back to the Marvel stuff, the Cap Tony slash fiction I'm sure is everywhere. And after Winter Soldier, especially the Cap Bucky slash fiction is everywhere too. They could work if they if either of them were gay, it would totally work. <laughs> like well, they, the thing that surprises me the most is the slash fiction coming out of Star Wars Seven between Poe and. That, that pilot that I don't remember. Oh, wait, that was Poe. That was Poe. I'm trying to remember the I, other guy who was the number. Heads up, guys, Finn. I actually don't, I don't really care about the new Star Wars movie. I did really like when they were in the TIE fight and they were talking. They had a lot of clear friendship. I did think it was odd that 
when they met up at the end that you know, they're like hugging like they were best bud to have been reunited after being gone for so well, long. Well, like it, it's it was it's like surprising. they knew it was like two minutes. <laughs> it's surprising, you know. Well, again, that's the whole. I went through. I went through life and death with you. And I guess it could be argued, like for him especially, for Finn, like this was a very important two minutes of his life. He was leaving the life he had known for his whole life behind and with this guy. And he could be arguing post case. He's just a really friendly guy. <laughs> I guess that could be the way it is. Anyhow, I mean, the thing that, the, the thing that we're not spending too much time on here because we're, we're kind of running a little low on time, but yeah, well, the thing it, that deserves to be said is that these relationships can take so many forms, particularly the romantic relationship, you know, right. If you have experience with it, don't be afraid to write about it, because if you know it, you're the best advocate for it. And also, though, the same, at the same time, don't be afraid to experiment. Just know that when you experiment, it won't, it won't, won't always work out. You're not going to please everybody, so right. don't worry about pleasing them. Do it for you because you want to do it, as with writing as a whole. Mm-hmm. But especially with these romantic relationships, you know, they take careful time to craft more than any of these other relationships like the hero villain it's bound to happen especially mm-hmm. in stories where that their conflict is what drives the story forward that's one of the prime conflicts so. right the conflicts and if you talk about friend relationships those develop throughout the story mm-hmm. naturally because they're spending time with each other because you get to know the characters better and they get to know each other better as well mm-hmm. but the romantic relationship takes a decent amount of careful planning however it can take whatever form you want it to And there will be people who agree with you. There will be people who don't agree with you. And that's why there are so many slash fics out there. Shipping wars. Shipping wars, if you want to go there, too. Ship to ship combat. Yeah, right. But the thing is that, as with anything in writing, you want to do more showing than telling. Right. You don't need to tell us over the uh, with an anvil over the head. Oh, by the way, they went on and had seven children and twenty five grandchildren. And well, an example I give, like, and one thing I want to talk about was wasn't just not just about developing characters who slowly fall in love. One thing I want to talk about was like showing characters who are already together, showing how they're still in love with each other in subtle ways. Example I bring up for this, I just recently watched this with my family. They hadn't seen it yet. How to Train Your Dragon Two. Spoiler alert for the first one, in case you know you care. Um, Hiccup and Astrid, the two main characters, end up together at the end. I, mean, I guess no one's really surprised. But, I shouldn't um, be, but I haven't seen it, so it was a spoiler for you me. Anyway, go on. It amazes me what you have and haven't seen. But most of what you haven't seen. I, it never amazes me what you have seen. All so right, I'm, just, go this, ahead. I'm at the point, it's amazing that you, if you ever have go seen Go ahead and make anyways, your point. Anyways, in How to Train Dragon 2, the two of them are still together. It's like five years later. They're clearly still in love, but they only kiss like twice, and one of them was on the cheek. But you can just tell because through very subtle sort of things, like there's an instance where like he's mapping out this map that he's he's on when he flew around with his dragon. She flies in and while they're talking about something else, he hands her a piece of parchment to expand the map and she immediately gets onto it. But they're talking about something else, but they just sort of know that that's what they were doing. Like, and then there's one point where like she braid had fixes a braid on the back of his head. And he lets out this really subtle smile behind them. Like, Remember the they whole just, inside joke thing that I was talking about earlier with platonic, usually mm-hmm. friend relationships? Right. You know, the idea that you just start to read each other well. You start to mm-hmm. know what the other is thinking. And especially with comrades, it's really helpful. 
But that's yeah. a perfect example of that idea that we've known each other for so long. If I'm even if I'm not talking about it, if I give you this, this is what I'm expecting you to do. Mm-hmm. And an unspoken thank you as well. Right. But like the thing about the thing about romantic relationships, and and this is a pro tip for life, not just actually you know writing. But like if you get in a relationship, guys, consider that you need to keep pursuing. Right. It's not about winning the ga- winning the gal and then all of a sudden it's over and done. Yeah, no, it's, it's not like you've all right, you've won her. Yeah, no. Now she's yours forever. It never works that way. We interrupt the Ritwits to bring you a life lesson part, part of the podcast. But the idea is this: it should be the same in your stories. You know, mm-hmm. they they can't be so blatantly obvious, but there's got to be something so the reader sees why they care for each other. Mm-hmm. Unless you purposely are writing it to the point where they're going to end the breakup, the divorce, which is another relationship that probably we don't have time to cover. I mean, there there yeah. are so many other relationships out there that we don't have much experience with. We tried to categorize them into the most popular four, and so I hope we did a good job of that. Yeah, and I think what you, you should all keep from, take from this is that make your characters people. And pe- people have relationships, and they have all different kinds of relationships. Good, bad, mediocre, like, lovey-dovey, hate, like, friendly, work comrades, or things that, like, like, you got, like, every character is the center of some web, and the web is all connected in some, in a bunch of different the ways. The idea, no man is an island. Right. Use what you know. Don't be afraid to experiment but make sure it's something that you have some idea about because that will be so much easier to write. And remember that all of the people who end up reading this story that you're crafting are people too. Mm-hmm. That have their own relationships and will connect with characters through the relationships they share with others. I think it's about a good time to throw in final thoughts. Sounds good, but yeah. And uh, before we go, though, I'd like to... I'd like to... Just point out that even though we're you're listening to our podcast and we thank you for that, we're not the best at this. We're just giving you our our insights. We're just giving you how we feel about it and our examples of what we enjoy from it. Take, take you should just think about what we're saying. Don't use it as like this is how it has to be. Just no, like it's not the be all end all. Obviously, we didn't talk about enough for it to be the be all end all anyway. We only but have we are like better than you. An hour, so yeah, but we are better than you. <laughs> we are still better than you. That's one thing to keep in mind. The thing, but, the thing that I, the thing that I want to say though, as far as the last thing I have to say about relationships is that, you know, treasure the relationships that you have and use those as models to tell good relationships in your stories. Absolutely, like the best writing comes from, I, I've lost. <laughs> I the best writing, the, the best writing comes from something you know well. Yes, that, why was it so experience. hard for me to think that I must be really tired when probably should end this? <laughs> okay. However, however, as life goes on, just remember that if you keep doing this long enough, it's for yourself. Do it for yourself, but hey, do it for your characters. Yep, so their relationships are worth your time. Absolutely. Something not related to writing as a final thought. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, more, more as a just a... a kind of send off if you will I was thinking about this earlier and it actually has a, le- it's a lesson that I wrote in one of my one of my other works and I may tell you about it in a different episode but of course. Uh, essentially it is this the past is over and gone the future is not guaranteed 
but today is a gift, which is why we call it the present. The present. Bum, bum, bum. Good, good stuff. It's better than my saying, which is life is meaningless and death is inevitable, so screw everything. <laughs> the only constants are death, change, and taxes, right? Yeah. <laughs> and you, apparently. You're stuck with me, and I hate that. Oh, I'm stuck with I'm you? I'm going to send that hit Something squad. Something hit squad. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm really close. My finger is hovering over the button right now. I see. I see. Right, anyways, well, I have well, a couple days to wait everyone. for them. But thanks for thank listening you. to us. Two twits talk about ridding on the Ritwit. Yep. And we'll, right, we'll see you next time. Episode three. Be there. And that's or it. Or be square? I, yeah, sure. Why not? See you I guys. All right. Thanks so much for listening. This is Matt David. This is Matt Donald. Signing off.